Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. This is Rumors of Instinct thanking you all sincerely from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today for another episode of the North, East, West, South News. The news, news. So basically, um, you see what I did there? It's kind of clever. Um, so the North, East, West, South News is going to be directing itself less from talking about daily events and just recataloging information, which, you know, you can find dime a dozen nowadays, especially since YouTube has already kind of, I think, reached the point of the bubble, the bubble being burst. Not saying that it's going to go the way of Facebook, which is, um, you know, where most of the accounts are sock puppet accounts and fake people or foreigners or... Uh, you know, agenda accounts, biased accounts to operate either their businesses or to influx the numbers. Point is, uh, where Facebook has seemingly already passed the point of over an in an over a deluge, basically. <laughs> Sorry about that. An, a deluge of at a porky pig the moment. At a deluge of users and uh, started to be the prime exploited battlefield of a certain type of internet phenomenon that was known as Facebooking, as creating a personality, as creating your own individuality, and becoming a, a capable of grassroots influencing, as well as operating at a level of digital networking that was previously only considered accessible by the CEOs of major companies or real movers and shakers in the business world or medical world, um, going to conferences, networking, meeting people with friends, keeping in contact with friends from college, etc., etc. So it gave almost overnight 400 million Americans plus 7 billion people in the world and I think it's down to like 2 billion people actually use it. So, that, I mean, think about those statistics. 2 billion people on Earth use Facebook for various purposes, agenda, and the platform is so versatile and flexible that it allows that. But if you're now entering into this world with, say, for example, no prior contextual knowledge, no context, no uh, experience, say, for example, if you were came from, say, the hypothetical uh, moon and, you know, you're seeing Facebook and trying to navigate it, it's already reached the point where it's an incomprehensible labyrinth if you're not already well-established in your networks and having the algorithm work for you. And, if, for example, it's like the world. It's like life. It's something that's already past the point of being new and is now just the thing, and the thing in the postmodern concept of what is it, what is the labyrinthian network of expectations, the responsibilities, social cues, what is the intelligence that is working this matrix system of Babylon, the idea that if you, for example, landed on Earth and you expected to make contact or live a certain way, say you were being born on Earth as a new soul, say in that movie, um, Soul, that came out, right? Um, there's 7 billion people on Earth. You could become uh, someone from Indonesia. And then, exactly, like the, the, 
the greatness of life, the Dao, the Dao of life, is, for example, the lottery between being born in, say, for example, my circumstance, a, is someone from Texas, South Texas, and, and then Corpus Christi, specifically out of that, and then being, you know, a male, and then having the responsibilities in life, as I've experienced it, to being born in Nepal and being born as a tea farming woman whose life is in the Himalayan steeps, you know, like the steps of the Himalayan mountains, or being born an Eskimo, or being born, uh, you know, uh, a Chilean investment banker. <laughs> you know, like... That's the idea of the labyrinthian possibilities, the lottery of life, right? It, and that's the idea of Facebook, is that it's it's just as easily that you cannot make sense of it because it is now to the point where it's very difficult to make sense of. YouTube is the same way, I think, already going to the point where it's no longer an easily accessible, uh, fundamentally helpful service. It is now a archive, a cataloging of the human condition to the point that um, no longer can you just jump in and expect to see relevant data uh, presented. It's actively trying to create an image for itself that is more akin to the Disneyfication of, wor of the world. Uh, much the same way that Facebook made the curating of individuals, the desnification of, or the Facebooking of individuals. No longer are there going to be any sharp edges. No longer are there going to be any kind of, you know, controversial uh, things as long as they identify them and find them first. But for example, the the idea of the safety, the security that YouTube provided in speaking your mind, or at least providing for an audience. Now, however niche that was. I think is quickly becoming obsolete. Now, with that in mind, what I'm saying is that you used to be able to say, for example, have a very niche, unique perspective, and then through the magic of statistical math, YouTube's great audience, uh, number of audience members in the hundreds of millions, would be able to provide to you a small amount of support and community, right? But that would be... Expected. Say, for example, you were a young musician or whatever. YouTube was the place where you'd want to upload your music as an amateur so that you could get a few thousand people maybe to see it or to hear it, right? Now, it appears with the shadow banning and everything that... Uh, and not only that, just with the nature of the mathematics and stats themselves, new people in the world of YouTube or new audience members are not recommended or given the ability to to navigate the archives of videos so that it's like a um, kind of a eye-opening thing to think that you can that the great majority of YouTube channels for example have less than a hundred subscribers I don't know I'm not gonna say it's 90% but it's a great majority of um, YouTube channels have less than 90 or less than 100 subscribers and um, a great majority of videos that are uploaded are not seen over a thousand times right but then you see people talking about internet professionalism and internet careers 
and I'll, I'll tell you where I'm going with this in just a second, because you might think, uh, rumors, you're, you're kind of, you know, railing against the system here, you're, you're yelling at the people who are providing your, your platform and everything, like, what, what gives, and I'm not, and, you know, I appreciate the fact that YouTube allows me to upload, use me to allow, upload relatively uncensored as an amateur, and reaches an audience community, and provides for a lot of things like statistics, studio help, no, I appreciate YouTube, and I have definitely, you know, spent hundreds and hundreds of hours of my life, you know, on YouTube, and it's influenced me. It's definitely been my avenue for entertainment, you know, over the last uh, 10 years. So basically, after now that I've kind of put that in the line, I've seen it change. I've seen it come and go. I've seen, say, for example, the adpocalypse. I've seen what that did to creators. I've seen the algorithmic purges of channels over the years. I've seen channels... Uh, Develop from, you know, amateurs to professionals and all that kind of came with it. The whole transition to small studio companies, small entertainment companies. Um, and I've seen them uh, become what I can only describe as a children's platform. As a network that's geared towards children. Or geared towards more of that greater common denominator audience. So that they can get the almighty dollar, basically, from their revenue sports. And I understand that. But it's definitely moved away from the anything-goes, public-access-type feel that YouTube used to present. And where YouTube truth channels, for example, YouTube conspiracy channels, could rack up millions of views over the last ten years. You know, with various, you know, topics, various subjects that... Even like real col like a collage type, uh, not collage, uh, countdown, v you know, videos like matter. They'd show you relevant things, and now it's obviously based on the algorithm. Because lately, I think you guys have seen if you're on the YouTube, uh, the algorithm for the surveys was kind of leaked, and there was a big th deal where people were copying and pasting the the. Uh, the algorithm breaking um, keywords to kind of get people the tags to get people to uh, look at their see their channels that wouldn't normally see them, and that kind of proved, without a shadow of a doubt, that's exactly how it works. That YouTube is directing itself towards a certain type of audience, and if you looked at the keywords, they were all audience, they were all geared to terminology and videos that would be appropriate for teenage audiences. Or gamers, people looking for straight entertainment, people looking for straight high production value entertainment, and when it's doing because of that, it's going away from the public access feel. It's going away from the community feel and going more towards a big business feel, where you're going to start seeing the same amount of effort and attention put into YouTube videos that are put into major Hollywood films. Now, I think this is ironic because I actually championed the fact that YouTube provided a, a permanent and accessibly awesome, like, you know, awesomely accessible, uh, you know, hosting site for independent filmmakers and amateur filmmakers, right? And I know that as someone of my own production capability, my limited production capabilities, I can't compete with someone who, for example, puts in the effort to put a green screen up behind him. Or uh, edit their video with really good documentary type footage, like public uh, domain footage, B-roll. 
Like, you know, like, there are different levels to this shit, right? And I admit, like, they should, they should uh, reap the rewards for their efforts. But I'm talking about when actual companies like Warner Brothers, Disney, are going to stop trying to swim against the YouTube platform with their own streaming services, but then just use the streaming services provided for them. And I think that people don't realize this, is that YouTube is owned by Google. <clears throat> Google has partnered with Disney. People like, like uh, you know, the biggest YouTubers in on on YouTube right now, currently, the biggest influencers, are tied into Disney. Tied in directly towards that company and that mentality. It doesn't have to specifically be Disney. But the idea that you have big sponsorship. Your videos are paid for. Uh, your audience is secured. And things like major quote-unquote influencers have to purchase their views to keep the stats coherent, basically. They have to cook the books. Because, for example, if they have a video with a million people, they want to get as ma- the maximum idea of impact as possible so that within a day they'll have 500,000 videos. So that's 50% of the total video view count within 24 hours. And then over time it'll kind of slow down. But it, there's a big thing to think that that is all artificially generated, you know, AI bot-generated views. And that the people actually capable of purchasing those things aren't the little people like you and me, aren't the people who made companies and careers selling merch and, you know, maybe reviewing movies and things like that. No, it's not fucking Keemstar. It's not people like that. It's not, you know, conspiracy theorists like Woodward TV or nothing. It's people who are capable of reaching into very deep pockets. Uh... It's not like, say, for example, Top 10, Most Amazing Top 10, even though they're a company, even though they're a small studio, they had 7 million people, they're on the chopping block of being deleted due to YouTube's automatic algorithm and community guideline censoring, right? Um, exactly. See, so channels that range the gambit from absolutely minuscule are not only in the crosshairs, but channels that have millions of people already. If they're not a part of all independent creative efforts from the very, very large in scale to the very, very small in scale, from the independent producer who is not getting monetized or has any revenue uh, generated from this, like me, to people who are actually employers of staff, of production teams, of talent, like acting talent, voice acting talent, etc., who make tens of thousands of dollars a month with revenue generated through the YouTube video services, they're in danger of being canceled, being worked out, phased out of the system because of the absolute enormous elephant in the room, and that is these this major company support, where if you're in the good graces of, say, for example, the people who run Taco Bell, then it doesn't really matter what your videos do because they're using you much like they use the Taco Bell Chihuahua doesn't matter about the talent and <laughs> the genius behind the Taco Bell Chihuahua. It's helped sell Taco Bell. It's part of this Taco Bell effort, and they will spend the money to secure the ad time. Exactly. See, it'll be on your TV. They're going to get that in front of your face because this helps them. It's not the talent of the thing itself, and they won't, they'll spare no expense. And so they'll help you exploit the system. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm reaching out to alternate platforms. But at the same time, I want people to know that I'm going to be spending more time 
away from YouTube and more time on my podcast, which is, it's not the Wild West anymore in the days of podcasting, but it's still, I think, more friendly towards the American spirit of howling into the void. Because if I'm going to howl into the void, at least I want to have sole ownership of what I'm howling into in cooperative partnership with others in the uh, collaborative effort because in the podcast world you take all the risks and all they do is allow you to publish on their media as long as you meet their community guidelines, standards, etc. At the same time, they're generating all the profit from people watching you through their services. So it's like Spotify. You know, and I know the different controversies to Spotify, but Spotify ain't taking albums generally off of the... Um, off of the server, you know, off of the platform if people don't like it. Um, and yeah, I guess Spotify's the same thing. It's the same big evil company when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, it's not much different. I get it. You're saying, I tell you, rumors, rumors. How can you decide with one big company? It's the genre. It's the media platform. I'm switching over because I'm still going to be broadcasting YouTube videos like I'm doing now here, but it feel like if you're going to, if I'm going to be spending this full-time service to these videos, Either my production value is going to have to get really good, and so I can compete, and that's going to be um, much less frequency because I'm not really generating the views that even I achieved last year at this juncture. It used to be I'd upload a video and get at least a few hundred views within uh, 24 to 48 hours. Now... Um, I've noticed within the last month that the shadow banning is absolutely real. The shadow banning is something that is affecting not only myself, but everyone. And, um, exactly. If like channels that I considered mainstream channels that I considered big business already, like a most amazing top 10, they were guilty pleasures. Um, I love you, Lucy McPhee. And, uh, <laughs> but they were guilty pleasures. Because I love I love countdown videos and stuff like that, and it was just a good way to waste time sometimes. I know I always hated myself afterwards, <coughs> but um, you know, or Sitsnap. Sitsnap is a you know colorful uh, color commentary comedian who does you know raunchy um, sexual overtoned uh, reviews of hentai and anime. But she talks about recently getting off YouTube probation and how that strike will affect her lifestyle and her like decisions going forward and how that causes a lot of anxiety and pressure. And I thought about it realistically, and I'm like, she's just like a 24 to like 27-year-old girl. You know, I'm just saying I'm a 33-year-old man, but I'm saying like it's the same thing. You're young. You're trying to make a career. You know, you're trying just to, to feel... It, like you know, safe in your security of your like your career, your what your what's bringing home the bacon, you know. And within a blink of an eye, you realize that YouTube can take it all down because it doesn't matter how many people like your channel, it doesn't matter how successful you're, it doesn't matter that it is your career. Imagine just that oddity of being able to be like, yeah, I make my money and pay my rent and buy my food, and you know, my career is the internet, and then the internet can say, no, you're fired. And that's what I'm saying. It's it's con it's counterintuitive, and it's not what the millennial dream is. If you would say that, that's another thing too. That the millennial dream is something that we need to talk about as a real American dream. Every generation has a dream. Every every um, generation X, generation Z, generation uh, Y, the millennials, Zoomers, all that. You know, they had a dream. They had an idea of what the vision, the future was going to be. And there are points in every generation where that vision 
becomes obsolete due to the realities of the situation. One of the things that I think is happening now is the millennial dream is becoming obsolete. Now, if the millennial dream was literally people born in the millennia, it's 20 years post the millennia, and that 20 years post the millennia is proving that small businesses did not occupy Wall Street, that our creative ventures on Etsy and Pinterest and things like that, our little online stores did not revolutionize the world. Um, It gave our... Oppressor, the big business world, more ammunition. It gave them a better understanding of how to to uh, compete against the little person and drive them out of the marketplace. We did all the research for them. We did all the legwork for them. We proved that the models were successful, and then they co-opted it. Much the same way that our music didn't play out as socially relevant or groundbreaking anymore. You know, the fact that... Uh, Every kind of dream millennial has had about what technology was going to be or look like or act like has kind of fallen on its face for the most part. And that the world uh, from the year 2000 to 2020 has not changed entirely too, too much because we have not been able to really change it. You know what I'm saying? Like the idea that the millennial dream was us changing the world, that's, that absolutely fell on its face. Absolutely fell on its face. Now... This is is kind of manifested most, mostly in this cultural uh, outrage, cultural, uh, you know, like, oh, uh, this obsession with pop culture, this obsession with the media, obsession with, um, you know, relativistic, relativistically um, minor and trivial things. You know, like, if you look at philosophy, if you look at things like that, if you look at religious principles or sociology, any kind of liberal art or humanitarian science. Huge issues were the prime motivators for much of this, such as like, why is there suffering? Why is there inequality? Why is there poverty? Why is there, you know, um, difference of power in the sexes socially? Why are there things like, why is there things like racism? What are, uh, indigenous human cultures and values, what is this, like, world that we're, like, you know, things like that. Not so much the daily trifles and matters which are garnering the majority of the attention, the funding, and then creating a mimetic echoplex within society. And yes, historically, there's always been a precedent for this. Like in France, in the age of Voltaire, for example... Um, there were, I think, 2,000 different plays going on during the summer in Paris. Like, that was a thing that the cultural elites have always kind of fascinated themselves on, are these small, trivial and trifle matters. What needs to be understood is that no matter how trivial society appears day to day, it has always appeared that way. Always. Since the days of ancient Rome, since the days of ancient Babylon... Um, ancient Egypt, people are distracting themselves with matters of the city, with matters of society. What we need to realize is that there's not one idea, exactly what our generation suffers as it goes into obsolescence is not an individual's fate. If anything, my subject of this news thing is what you think manifests itself. Now, what that 
re- you gotta take that to the fullest extent of what it means is that when you're thinking about things, you're knocking on doors that you are going to open that are gonna be open to you because you're knocking on them. Now, what doors you knock on with your limited amount of time and energy will keep you relatively focused and progressing longer because it's exactly like a laser beam. The tighter the focus of the beam, the further the beam travels and the higher the power, the higher intensity it burns. Right? So the greater you want to achieve, the more you have to concentrate and focus yourself on a more narrow and narrow path, uh, type of path self-discipline. Now, the idea is I'm not limiting or saying any one thing, but I'm saying, like, say you want to learn martial arts. At some point, if you want to become the best martial artist you want to be, you can't be also um, obsessed with anything else. You cannot be uh, distracted by anything else because you won't be reaching your full potential in that one thing, right? Just abstractly, right? Which is why this idea of hermitism, of taking yourself away from life, taking away from society, the things of the city, trivial things, things that are trivial to yourself, that you bring up, that you carry around with you, and freeing yourself from distraction, from baggage, um, but not all, but at the same time, you're not denouncing anything. You're not humbling or yourself. You're, you're building yourself up through humbling yourself by lowering yourself, by, by just simply freeing yourself from the trappings of the city, from the net of Babylon. You're actually building yourself up. You're showing yourself love. You're showing yourself true support and love because you're listening to yourself. You're listening to the world. You're allowing yourself to learn. Now, a lot of this translates into this modern world as not focusing on the algorithms that you can't win, exactly the battles that you can't win, but focusing on the battles that you can win. Right? Like with everything. And seeing clearly the game that you're playing, seeing the board that you're playing on. Right? Freeing up your life from distractions, from confusions, from clutter, and focusing your efforts one at a time in direct, meaningful ways, right, and and trying to reach out. Now, I know with this idea of cross-platformization, it's not prioritizing that. It's focusing on the networks that you're provided and keeping things in perspective, right? So, like I said with the YouTube thing, I'm going to go more to the podcast side of things. I'm going to direct my energies more to the podcast recording, find a guest that way, because to be honest... You always have to go to frontiers. You have to go to new pastures. And I know podcasting isn't new, but to bring this type of mentality to the podcast world is still, there's still a lot to be explored. Exactly. There's still a lot to be, um, to be explored in this world that YouTube is not open to. Right? YouTube used to be open to it. YouTube used to be the place for it. Five years ago, this conversation would be completely different. In 2015, I'd say, and this is the reason why I started my efforts in YouTube, is that it would be a place that would be welcoming, that it would find an audience, it would find a arms-wide-open type community, it would generate, you know, not world-shattering a number of views, but within the thousands, within 10,000, maybe even 50,000 you know, and, and oh my god, to ask for 100,000 subscribers or views in a world where 
where 2 million is not uncommon, or 5 million, where 10 million is not uncommon for your, you know, um, other level of, like, other genre, like your, you know, you're purely entertainment, you're purely comedian, you're purely musician uh, type formats. Over time, I mean, over career-wise, like, like, at the end of a full lifetime of having worked with this platform, like, I'm seeing the future, 2030, 2040, 2050 of working as this platform, you would be able to, at the end of either its service or your service, look back and go, okay, there's some progress in careers, but not the idea that no matter how hard you work or or how much effort you put in, it is run on the similar system as the real world, this mainstream matrix, which is overnight, everything can be taken from you, everything can be changed, you live literally at the mercy of the system, like sort of Damocles style, um, you know, it's just a matter of time before you do something wrong and society catches you or YouTube catches you and just the algorithm decides to flip the switch. All the videos you've made are gone. All the effort you put in and networking is gone. All that is just gone over the blink of an eye. Same thing is possible with podcasts. I know. Same thing is possible with life. I know. The thing is, though, I think that to give all that power into YouTube's hands is a mistake. It is. It's a mistake. There's no oversight. There's no review community. There's no appeal process. It is a singular private company. Just as if though... Just as if though... um, It's like a phone company, right? It's just like a single monolithic bureaucracy. You know, you always got to be worried about a bureaucracy. And for example, like, just bring up this, why I'm trying to do alternative platforms. I'm uh, making the uh, video right now for uh, Odyssey and Library. And I'm doing it on a broken phone that I kind of helped. I I did like an amateur screen repair to it. I can tell I didn't really do it right, but I did clean it up in the middle and turned it back on. Um, And I'm also making my... uh, podcast recording at the same time now with library and odyssey i only have 98 subscribers currently right now i have 660 on my youtube and 640 roughly i think right now on instagram right and instagram it took me about two months to get the 600 uh, subscribers it's taken me a full calendar year on youtube plus this is an older channel, so the original viewers I had, I had 12 original subscribers when I was starting this channel in 2018. From 2018 to 2019, yeah, from 2018 to 2020, sorry, to the end of 2020, I had only 12 subscribers on this channel, right, until I started doing it full-time. Really putting legwork for networking stuff, so I got my channel up to 600 over the course of fucking a year, making a video almost every day. Full-length videos. Now, Library and Odyssey is another frontier that I'm going to go onto. Um, the podcast world, I am doing for the longer format of audio. I can upload three hours of audio, take up less memory space on my devices and than I would um, of a video like this. I can um, reach out to other podcasters, guests, things like that, and I'm not competing with them with them on the YouTube format 
and you know we can work together. We can synergize. The rising tide lifts all boats. We can um, vary my interests and stuff, and not be locked into a YouTube algorithm for what is expected. You know, but it defies genre for the dislike, like thing, like that, right? I'm also able to archive over many different platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, like 10, 10 to 15 different uh, websites I found my my podcast on just through the RSS automatic feed. And this is as good as I can possibly get to safeguard and archive my work as I can probably find currently. Because I said one snap of the thumb, YouTube has taken away all my efforts from the past calendar year. Hundreds of hours of video. It's taken away. Everyone can have that taken away from them. Because like, no one's above the YouTube uh, algorithm. No one's above, for example, any of the social media algorithms. Podcast seems to be a way that's semi-more independent. So that if it exists, it exists elsewhere. I, I'm not really sure the actual level of safety like you know, and, and protection it offers compared to... you know, that's just, But it's some. You know, at least it's something. That being said, Library and Odyssey only allow up to four gigabytes of uh, data to be uh, uploaded at a time, right? So their videos have to be shorter form. This is probably going to be near an hour right now. It'll probably be posted onto Library and Odyssey in full. And if it's not, then, you know, for whatever reason, because it's what I've taken granted is that if it's an hour... If the video is over an hour on YouTube, then it won't be mirrored to Library and Odyssey, correct? So, uh, the Library and Odyssey clip I just made right now is a preview, and it's done to keep the download size as small as possible to minimize it, right? Because right now, I'm not going to invest the time and production energy into Library and Odyssey fully, you know, if I don't have to, um... See, like at 33 minutes, the video size for this video is four gigabytes already. Like I just saw it, four gigabytes of memory for this video. So if a video, I think at this size, can't be lo- uploaded to Library and Odyssey, right? I have to simplify it, I have to minimize it. So the production values on Library and Odyssey are at the barest minimum. So if you're a subscriber there, if you followed me down there, I thank you. I highly encourage you guys just to give me a couple of tips with the cryptocurrency so I can put them back into my channel so I can get the visibility up and get the traction up because I know that's how it works. You put, you get in, you get out what you put in, right? And so I put in all of my efforts into just getting the wheels turning to that. Uh, most of my videos have been uploaded and mirrored from YouTube onto there. A number of them haven't. <clears throat> That's why I said I'm going to do the podcast and the library Odyssey. I'm not switching over fully. Um, I'm unsure of my status on BitChute, right? So I guess this is more of like a northeast, south, northeast, west, south news on both myself and this idea of intention. And I'll get the intention part in a little bit. Let me just finish up this. So the news on me is I'm a library Odyssey. Those are two new fronts. Um, they mirror each other, so they basically are mirroring what I'm putting on YouTube over there. But if you want to watch it without the support of YouTube, know that a few of my broadcasts have not been transferred over there. I've only been able to post previews. All the production is going to be kept at a minimum until I get enough viewers and generate enough interest in the channel to start investing as my main channel. Hopefully, though, I do get my 
energies shipped it over there because YouTube has definitely shadow banned me. YouTube has absolutely shadow banned me. It's not a question. It's a reality, right? They've shadow banned many, many people. Some of them my close friends, some of them other contributors, influencers, people who have been on the platform for 10 years, that network for 10 years. You know, like, and then they're shadow banned because YouTube doesn't want to play that game anymore. YouTube doesn't want to go that direction. It's their right to do it. I mean, I just understand it, right? Um, people like David Polites, for example, are shadow banned. And he's, I consider him one of the more successful people when it comes to this type of community. Like, you know, uh, it's it's obvious to see. They just drive away these uh, people like us, people in our community. Um, people who are more akin to, like, AM radio, for example. And podcasting is a way to kind of create your own personal AM radio. That's what I'm saying. Like an AM radio person wouldn't succeed on FM. FM chased all the AM people to AM. They, they kind of didn't chase them. They kind of collaborate on You'll have AM. That's your genre. That's your type of thing. We have FM. This is our thing. This is how we communicate. Um, they both use similar devices. Eh? Both internet type of radio, internet type of podcast. <clears throat> it's just that it's a different style. It's a different uh, market. I understand. It's just the matrix, right? It's just the world we live in. It's the game. you got to play it. The, there's rules to the game. Uh, unless you're willing to make it more ch- kid-friendly, more youth-friendly, you know, I, I think you're swimming upstream. I think you're going against the wind, right? He's like, you're trying to fly a lead kite. You're just, you're, you're you know, there's past least resistance and there's not. And while it's not, they're restricting you because of things like that's not where their, you know, development is. If you, for example, really think about it, like, like you know, um, Instagram Live. I'm trying to do a lot of videos on that. I'm, I'm going to be getting into that. So I hope you guys who are following me uh, on Instagram get ready for the Instagram Live collaborations I'm going to be doing and start doing my own. Um, last time I tried to do an Instagram Live, it said I had violated a community guideline and that I was suspended from doing it for a small period of time. So I don't know when that's going to happen, like when that's going to fix itself, when that's going to resolve itself. I don't know who to contact to kind of, uh, you know, get the wheels moving on that front, kind of at Instagram's mercy. And at that point, got to realize, you know, that might be a while. But I do, I'm interested in doing it with others, and I'm interested in posting videos on Instagram TV. So look out for that. Why I kind of constantly refresh um, and, and spend considerably more effort on Instagram as a way of advertising uh, videos, projects of mine. Advertising my own channel's uh, branding and the entertainment that I provide, as well as uh, exactly using it as a different avenue for entertainment, for information, and for um, connecting to you guys as a community, right? Now, that being said, that's, those are the three things I'm going to be doing. Instagramming, podcasting, and library and odyssey, right? Those, and looking for alternatives, little alternative networks. But so far, I'm very happy with library and odyssey. Um, and like I said, you don't need to have a thousand tools in your truck for every job, but you do need to find the tools that you need to get the job that you're doing done. You know, even if it's just one tool and and in the perfect world, it would be, but if not, then you have your trusty, you know, retinue of tools, like your, in your tool bag and your tool belt. Right, you're always going to use and need. You know this. This is your profession, right? So you got to use them, and you got to use as few as possible, but as many as necessary. 
right? So there's no reason to have two different kinds of hammers unless you have a job that needs those two hammers, right? <clears throat> and there's no reason to have ten of the same kind of hammer. You just use one that you really know that works, a dependable one. <clears throat> I mean, don't be a fool. And that's the kind of same thing with the internet, is that you eventually just have to treat these things as tools. These are tools. And if uh, the tool company isn't helping you out anymore and the tool's uh, lacking quality, it's lacking satisfaction, then you just move on, right? Move on. No hard feelings. It's, like, it's all big business, all matrix-type shit, right? So, um, that being said, you are what you think. You think what you are. Uh, basically, they kind of... Uh, if there's something in our heads. Our brains produce a signal that we don't even understand yet. And that signal is a type of eureka moment, a type of genius moment, where the thoughts we are thinking are no longer simple data points <clears throat> in our heads. They are... Um... They are uh, cognizant realities. Like when, when you, you say, when you say, for example, you're doing math, right? They're no longer a series of random data points. So you can have theoretical math all you want, like that purely theoretical math, uh, where it doesn't have any relation to reality. But there is a moment in a person's head where that theory synergizes with reality as they're seeing it and they're able to perform math which connects the two, pure theory and reality, making sense of reality and creating this kind of godlike control over it, exactly, that, that is purely mental, and so this is where I kind of want to enter the, the conversation of what you think is what you are and uh, what you are is what you think because as you start seeing the validity of theories of intellectual phenomena of ideas for example water the idea that water goes downhill because of gravity that could be a theoretical thing unless you have the experience of seeing water physically flow with gravity now you're connecting what you saw the physical flow of water with the theories of gravity with the theories of you know hydrodynamics and things like that with the physical theoretical world, right? You're merging the two. And what those theories are are accurate descriptions of the physical world. The theories are only as true as they are applicable to physical reality. Right? You, mathematics is not erroneous in the way that it doesn't make any sense when you actually apply it. Like I said, no erroneous math is considered correct. Right? No felonious physics is considered correct. You know, science is not facetious. Or, or facetious. There's no... Um, there's no... Is it their, their limited scope is what they believe is applicable to reality. But nothing that they hold actually true is, is unapplicable to reality. Right? They don't have metaphysics. They don't have things like that. But the metaphysician, the metaphysics expert, the people who live in the realm of the theoretical have very few physical correspondences to the things that they are allowing themselves to think, right? It's not that their applications are wrong, they're untested. That's a big limit in, in saying that what you think is not, it may not be wrong, but it, it's untested, it's currently untested, right? And that you streamline your thought process through the incursions of physical reality. You think, you have one theory, you 
test it, scientific process or engineering process, you take the data points, you try to make sense of them, and you try to create a physical answer to create to synergize the concepts in your head with the physical application of this of this thing, this this physical world, right? Interfacing with it. Um, the same process as a computer is a series of electronic uh, transformers and the microprocessors and things like that. The electrical data symbol comes out to the visual, physical display screen into data sets such as numbers or letters and your the electricity in a clock or in your uh, smartphone or your computer screen appears to you as the physical scripting that you are able to make sense of and translate into an effective model of the world. It's telling you information converting it from one set of data points into another set of data points. What you think is one set of data points and who you become is a translation of that set of data points synergizing it with reality to another set of data points. Right? He's like, how do you get electrical simple uh, impulses on a logic gate you know, where it's, where it's uh, running through a system of circuits and a computer board to process music or to process, you know, calculations, it, uh, uh, you know, for number sets, when it literally is physical energy interacting with um, pathways, with basically just a series of different pathways to create the logical calculations which make computers possible. And you see that, you can see this in computer science a lot easier than you can see it in natural reality because it's like hard to you know, when it's all physical, you can't see the theoretical metaphysics behind it. But when it's all metaphysical, you can't see the physical application behind it. This is coming to importance when I'm going to bring up the point of the Super Bowl halftime show and the Joe Biden presidency. Because I know what you guys are thinking. He's a conspiracy theorist. Why isn't he talking about conspiracies? Boom. Okay, here you go. Original soda. It's actually, I know, I know, but I actually uh, am entirely on the Coca-Cola train and um, sugar train in ways that it makes your brain work. And I get it. High fructose corn syrup. I usually drink natural Cokes, but highly recommend Cokes. I think it's uh, Bernie Madoff drinks a shitload of Cokes, too. No, I mean, I'm totally on that. I've been on that. I think a lot of people in Texas and the South especially are. I drink a case of Coke a day and shit like that. But, um, you know, what can you do? Um, there's a little bit of, that was just a little fact about me. Point is, I'm trying to share. Um, but yeah, you, you think about these things for just a little bit of time, right? You think about them for a limited amount of time. And you start seeing that these are realities in our world. That what you think is what you are and what you are is what you think. The Super Bowl halftime show... Is that in practice? Yes, there are rituals that were created by cultists. They're trying to get you to think about a certain thing. They're trying to get you to physically imagine it, to or to figuratively imagine it, mentally imagine it, psychically imagine it. And then it will physically play itself out in reality. Now, what you're seeing is not what they literally want you to think about and what they want to play out. They're showing you one set of data points 
to try to get another reality to play out, another set of data points eventually to translate from it, to synergize your energies with theirs. They're providing you intention and, it's, and hitting you with the symbolism the same way that electricity hits a, mic, uh, a microchip on a motherboard and then they get filtered and synergized into another translation of that energy into another set of data points. Um, you know, into the, into the end product, to the load. It feeds into the load. In electrical engineering, they call, you know, voltage feeds into the load. It's the end point. It's the actual working labor that's going on. And if it's the push an arm, an actuator arm, if it's to, that opens a cockpit on a jet, you know, the electricity that's generated from the power generator runs through the channels that make that operation possible, that make a physical operation possible. And you're using what is ultimately, um, you know, godlike power to do so. So with these intentions, these occultists are using these godlike symbols to do so. Now, what they're doing isn't what you're seeing. What you're seeing is only the surface of it. Uh, people dancing around, singing songs, um, fireworks going off. That's what you're physically seeing. What they're doing is recreating patterns and shapes. They're tracing in the air. They're tracing on the ground. They're creating a sense of vibration and energy. They're hyping you up, quote-unquote. They're getting into your head. And a lot of what they do is intentionally suspicious because the things that they do that make you go, I, this unsettles me. This gives. I need to focus my attention on what's stressing me out. Why is and, and answer this question? Like put my attention to it. That fuels them in ways, and I mean them and the big them, um, the powers that be, into being able to enact their drama for the year. They're bullshit for the year. There's a reason why these things occur around February, or they used to occur in January. You know, they used to be basically synonymous with the new year. The Super Bowl halftime show was synonymous with bringing in the new year. Um, in many ways, it is a new year celebration. We have many different new year celebrations. Uh, you know, our calendar year is absolutely crazy as America has a culture. Now, the point is, same thing with this bad history video with Joe Biden. Um, Bad History is a channel that makes CGI, prophetic CGI, things like I like like uh, Pump Trump, the I Have a Cold Heart by with Vladimir Putin, um, and this last one with Joe Biden, right? And I believe they have four in total. I'm I'm blanking on the fourth one. It's filled with symbolism. It's filled with music. It's filled with intention, and it's filled with such stressful imagery. And I am not a supporter of Joe Biden. I am not a supporter of any government. Anarchy all the way. Now, Americans should believe in independence, right? And, and believe in state-level identities first. Uh, but we need to address the fact that there is no prophecy. This man's not a prophet. This man is not a... Um, a uh, fortune teller able to kind of see between the lines and predict the next four years of activity. Someone who's seeing the current situations, the current stressful situations on the horizon, the current stressful conversation in the room, the current elephant in the room, 
seeing that and replaying it to us, broadcasting to us a certain amount of data to engender in ourselves a desire to fulfill this prophecy because it's the alternative we pay the most attention to. It's what we're putting our minds to the most. It's what we're giving all our energy to. It's what we're focusing on. Okay, so the same thing happened with Trump in 2016. The same thing happened with Obama in 2012. The same thing happened with Obama in 2008. The same thing happened with Bush in 2004. The same thing happened with Bush in the year 2000. The same thing happened with Clinton. When a president assumes leadership, hundreds of people seemingly come out of the woodwork within their own communities, conspiracy communities, news communities, pop culture communities, and start doomsaying start um, believing apocalyptic prophecies, start believing in in things that they normally wouldn't. Like, in, in an average day society, like that marks them from an average day society, but it's becoming more of the average now. It's becoming more the normal now to actually see people who are aware of it, who pay attention to it. But it basically breaks the norm for them in society, and they begin to give their energies towards the fulfillment of prophecies and the creation of phenomenon which oftentimes do play out within life. The Branch Davidians in Waco, Deep Cut, 1993, they believed that the New World Order government was taking over and they would be uh, persecuting Christians and putting them to death, for example, for being Christians. And what happened was the United States government ended up killing these people in a failed raid, execution of a warrant due to their cult activities, their uh, their compound activities. Fulfilling their their, their fulfilling the self fulfilled prophecy. It's a self fulfilled prophecy. It's exactly it's who they are. They created with such intention this identity for themselves that it physically played out in reality. And the government wanted this. The government put this out because it allowed the communication of this message. Make no mistake, the powers that be are the ones doing it. The Super Bowl Halftime Show is sponsored by the government. It's all military psyop, right? It's all uh, people pulling strings, CIA psyops, big government psyops. People pulling strings. It's all false flags. It's all Operation Northwoods. It's all this from the Civil War, the suspension of habeas corpus, etc., etc. Posse comitatus. But the point is, is they want you to get all of your energy into something extremely negative. Into something very negative. Not only for the world, but for yourself. Because people are what they think. And the things they put their energy to do become reality. I mean, that's absolutely the case. You can't get any more evidence. And they want people to fulfill this next four years of national strife and conflict. And they further want to cause chaos in the system. But to do so, they have to show you chaotic and conspiracy um, promoting material. Because authentic conspiracies are one thing. Natural, organic conspiracies are one thing. 
I'm deeply, deeply fascinated with them anthropologically. I'm deeply respectful of them as alternative hypotheses and theories of how the world works, etc. And they oftentimes are valid thoughts. They oftentimes are absolutely true. Inorganic conspiracies are the ones that are pushed to propel a certain persona onto communities which are vulnerable, influential, and at the same time oppositional towards others' interests. For example, the Flat Earth PSYOP during the times of the YouTube conspiracy communities to help divide the community and to help, uh, you know, um, defame a lot of people. This, this idea of uh, promoting religious fundamentalism within religious communities to help distance and create agnosticism and atheism within those communities to help weaken them from the inside, weaken their communities. For example, how many hostile Islamic extremists are given platform and network on YouTube and social media. They're so social media savvy. But how many moderate and sensible and are, you know, modern, uh, modernized, westernized Muslims given any kind of tension or time on media and, and mainstream media? None. Because they want the those oppositional forces in the Abrahamic religions to put all their attention and time on the controversies rather than on the communities, rather than on the good things, the promotional things. They want people to think one thing specifically, and that is chaos, death, destruction, uh, you know, um, hellfire and brimstone type mentalities. Because they want to give that energy, uh, they want to create those realities. Because it hurts the individual and it hurts society. And they profit from both. Because one, their competition's not taken out, and two, if you know, they're going to uh, rebuild anything, you got to knock it down first. This is the case, right? And if they're the people whose entire business is building up things, managing crises, right, national emergencies, uh, all they need, all they desire is to create further national emergencies. The only, the only reason why anyone cares about the federal government is that the country is constantly state, kept at a state of crisis, this is absolutely the case. As the more crisis they can create, the more the necessity for government systems of authority to exist, especially in a society where they don't want to tell you aboriginal people did not need a federal government. They were, I mean, it's not because they were idealistically um, immune to this kind of corruption, but it's just because they didn't have any need to to network or interconnect or to understand that they were they were more or less than one people because they didn't have that artificial need to create an empire, for example. They don't want to question the empire. Now, I'm be switching over tapes here. This is going to be uploaded to YouTube this hour. Um, hopefully it's uploaded to Library and Odyssey as well. The full, full recording of this North, East, West, South news is going to be on podcast exclusively. It'll go on for 30 minutes to an hour longer. And if you like this, please give it a like, uh, comment below, subscribe if you haven't subscribed before. Definitely always appreciate anyone who are new to this channel uh, doing so. Definitely leave a comment below. You know, just tell me what you like about it, what should I change, you know, how it, how you found it. And um, I'll respond to you. I'll definitely respond to all of the comments and everything. So definitely consider following this on Instagram or following my channel on Instagram at Rumors of Instinct. Um, 
And uh, check me out for all my podcasts, Rumors of Instinct Podcasts. It's available everywhere online. Definitely appreciate everyone out there in Dreamland. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. God bless you, and good night. That's that one. second part or watching this or listening to this rather on podcast podcast format and getting an exclusive uh second part of the northeast west south news for 2 8 2021 february 8th 2021 um you know i thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart i appreciate you guys taking a deep interest in what i have to say 
and definitely I hope that we can continue this uh, community, continue the conversation for many, many more weeks to come uh, into the far horizons of the far future because, you know, this is why I'm doing it. It's for people who take it seriously enough to follow not only just what's given to them on the surface because if you're finding my channel, to be honest, this is a deep dive, this is a deep cut, this is a deep B-side, you know, a very obscure channel. It's not only you finding the material, but then you're listening to it, and then you know that because of the system that I'm in and the requirements of the genre that I'm in, that I cannot actually uh, provide full-length episodes of my recordings and my, my treatments and my opinions on the available surface-level network, so you have to kind of follow the rabbit hole down till you get to the podcast. The podcast is going to be the full... Uh, the full serving, you know, of, of men's meat, of the lion's share of meat, because like it's iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. So if you're wanting to be sharpened and you think I'm sharpening you, then I want to kind of test you and see if you got guts by giving you guys videos that are more than the five to ten minute long, uh, bite-sized, you know, baby food for the masses. And, you know, I'm going to be providing the 30-minute previews, I'm going to be providing the hour-long previews, I'm providing the two-hour-long previews. And some of my podcasts go to three hours, four hours even. Those are the deep, deep cuts for the people who are the true believers. You know, the the true diehard, hardcore uh, people who are my fans and of the community that I'm in. Because, you know, um, if you're if you're willing to not only invest that time, you're also willing to listen and to provide, you know, your own information as well. And for everyone who does listen to the very end, I definitely hope that you reach out through my social media networks, Instagram, email, and uh, we can get a discussion going, go you know, get some collaboration going, get some kind of uh, momentum, forward momentum, uh, you know, together for the people, from the people, by the people. Because, you know, you guys are my people. So... Basically, what I want to get into this side, like, we'll continue from the first hour, that is, what you think is what you are, you know, what you are is what you think, law of one, a law of manifestation, law of attraction, and how the mainstream psychological powers to be are using psychological warfare to get the community of truthers and conspiracy theorists, the quote-unquote conspiracy theorists, the main umbrella term, and I don't use that as a pejorative, you know, I take it, I own it, I use it with pride, the people who are willing to see, the people who have eyes to see, and are willing to, and are motivated enough to get off their asses and do something about what they're seeing. They want them to see a certain thing. This is bait. This is the idea of baiting you. And what you see is what you're going to get. It's not always what you get. Right? But what you see is what you're going to get. Not everything you see is what you think it is. These things are simulacra. They're mimics. They're artificial uh, conspiracies that are posting on real-world prophecies, trying to use that energy. Uh, they're posting about real-world prophecies, trying to use that energy um, to create themselves, to fulfill themselves, to manifest themselves into our reality. And there is no form of more evil chaos-type magic than to try to cause chaos in society by using one's own power to manifest reality against themselves. Now, much in the same way that psychological warfare traditionally has been used to demoralize and to create a defeatist mentality, a defeatist attitude within a population, an attitude of hopelessness in a population, as well as hopefulness in another system, 
that's outside themselves, a foreign system, that they can be manipulated and controlled and directed to fit the agenda of the occupying force, basically. Same as that system is used, that tactic. If you can understand real applications of psychological warfare, of intimidation, of propaganda, of demoralization, of spying, of intelligence gathering, of uh, the tracking and census of populations, understanding them anthropologically, culturally, sociologically, so that you can direct them, control them, and you know basically uh, assimilate them more readily and easily. Same thing as you can conspiracy theorists, free thinkers, basically, independent thinkers, in terms that they're trying to use. Now, I'm not saying that every time you see this, the person had this 100% agenda in their mind, but this is why it's profligated. This is why it's promoted. This is why it's uh, spread further and further into the mind's eye, into the, into the general population. Ideas of disaster, of doom, of doomsdays, specifically, um, have been, at least since the last 10 years, because I came into the conspiracy movement before the Maya, because I've been aware of it before the Mayan apocalypse. I had a kind of mocking mainstream attitude towards it, but I had my own beliefs in extraterrestrials, UFOs, cryptids, things like that. Um, but the Mayan apocalypse really opened my eyes and made me nihilistic and bitter and cynical to the idea of doomsday cults and prophecies fulfilling themselves in our lifetime or within kind of like given data points as little more than sensationalist and as little more as a distraction. But now I see that reality was they didn't effectively, they, they were attempting the same thing over and over and over again. This is an attempt. Is it the first time? It's coincidence. You know, first time it's, it's just, it happens, right? Happenstance. Second time it's coincidence. Third time it's enemy action. Right, And there have been, since the 2012 Mayan apocalypse, almost every single year that follows it, it's some kind of doomsday scenario that links the powers to be, the authority, the system of government that's currently in the mainstream uh, view as being the Antichrist or as being the deliverer of ruin upon our population and our country. Right, This is how they want you to think. In the video... By Bad History, for example, with Joe Biden, they have a scene where American flags are burning, uh, the streets are being divided and ripped up, and then um, an elephant and a mule are fighting like Godzilla and, and Ghidorah across the cityscape. Because they want you to keep the conversation to that limited of a worldview. They want to keep your intention and energy to that limited and focused of a worldview where the only thing you think really matters and directs fate and identity and cultural history and the idea of a nation and the idea of a nation's prosperity away from the common person, away from the everyday citizen, away from the people, onto the person that is the presidency, the POTUS, onto the person that is in the limelight, the 15 minutes of fame that is this Washington, D.C. world, onto the systems of government that they have approved between ideas of the right and left. For example, they've taken away the four-point compass, the north-west-south-east idea, I mean, the north-east-west-south idea, which I'm, you know, named my title off of, the four cardinal directions and points, right? Uh, the four different... Uh, 
you know, morality compasses, you know, uh, they'd taken that system away and simplified it to a left and right system. No longer north and south system. They've taken away two dimensions from a 4D moral compass and made it a 2D moral compass. And pretty soon they're just going to make it a 1D moral compass. And that's not even going to give you any choice because they're going to just be saying you're either with the system or you're against the system. Right? And that's basically what the conversation always is at the end of this conversation. Is that as they whittle away the tree, people are going to start realizing that there's either one way or the highway. When it comes to this, well, it's also a coincidence that uh, the bad history video with Joe Biden, he's on a highway. There's one way or the highway. There's no other idea of a capital of the United States besides Washington, D.C. now, especially after the last 10 years, which I know it seems like a weird debate. But like in the last, you know, 100 years the solidif- solidification of the authority present in Washington, D.C., this federal capital uh, zone, right, this District of Columbia, has become so totalitarian in the American dialogue that, say, for example, in 2019, or in 2020, earlier this last year, um, the world of uh, America you would have presumed the world erupted into riots as the mainstream media wants you to know. But America, you would also be mistaken to think America erupted into riots because it was really only um, localized to a very few cities, large cities in America, right? When the uh, George Floyd protests occurred, right? The Black Lives Matter police brutality uh, protests of 2020, right? And you would have thought that was the largest single issue affecting every single American on the face of the earth because of the coverage and the power they gave it and the, the attention they wanted people to focus on. And it, everything in the mainstream society's dialogue reflects this because they are all attempting to shove you down one direction of a highway, one lane of a highway, and force you to come to a certain conclusion. And that conclusion is, you need the federal government to provide equality, to provide justice, to provide some kind of oversight, to provide, and that people do not have the responsibility, the capability, or the, I guess you would call it the intelligence, to manage themselves, to lead themselves, to direct themselves, to be independent. You need government-sponsored sensitivity training. You need racial diversity training uh, policies in, in the workplace. You need um, these things, these educations, these levels, or else you are not part of mainstream society. They want you to think, for example, about the gender pronouns, that you need to have a working understanding of gender uh, politics and history in America, or else you're not American. They are trying to tell you, these powers to be are trying to tell you what is and what's not American. They're trying to tell you what is and what's not reality. They're trying to tell you what is and what is not right and wrong. And ultimately, the entire debate is they are telling you the prophecies that they want to occur 
they are telling you the figures that they want to be the ones committing these policies, these prophecies into action, right? The people who are going to be in the history books for these things, you know, while they occurred. They want you to put your energy into seeing and decoding all these little scripted messages so that you can physically manifest it in your reality. Because the idea is, this is how absurd this really is. It's all mental. It's all intangible metaphysical realities. The matrix is not real. It is not the real world. It is a system, a mental system that you are projecting upon the real world and then creating around you like a like a prison that you're building for yourself, like a like a, you know, you you're calling it the territory that you own, but really you're just setting up how large a prison's going to be. Because you're limiting yourself, you're you're throttling yourself, you're you're um, not reaching your full potential as a human, as a person, as a philosophical uh, philosophical soul, as a real intentioned soul, as an experiencer of this reality. Now, the idea is, say, for example, if you're not allowed to travel, right, that becomes the limiting factor of your personhood, of your and you can live your entire natural life without needing or choosing to travel. Yes, as long as it's your personal choice and your personal choice. If you, though, desire to travel and were told you couldn't, now you are in opposition with these powers to be, right? I'm not saying it's natural, like you need to combat these things, because exactly, it will work for the majority. But they will then turn against, turn their energies not from the people whose destiny it wasn't to challenge them, but for those whose destiny was to challenge them. They will then play God and force their total power on only a select and elite few. Those few who by nature happen to not fit their systemic mold, right? And this is the classic Orwellian type debate where the individual, by God's grace or just by bad luck, um, is born someone who the system hates, Right, like persecution is not a voluntary thing; it's kind of a, a natural, involuntary thing. Where, say, for example, the society hates a person of a certain ethnicity, and that person is born that ethnicity. Thus, their entire framework of life is oppositional to that system. They're persecuted against. They're discriminated against. They have to rise above. They have to overcome. You know, in Black History Month, I think it's find it very, very, um, you know, poignant to talk about these things. It's not that opportunities are immediately stripped from them. Martin Luther King, for example, was able to become a minister. He was able to become a leader of his community. He was able to learn how to read and write and uh, acquire wealth and independence and a career in a society where he was still persecuted against because they were trying to tell him that he was one thing according to the system of the government. And it wasn't a national thing. He had the support of the federal government. He had Washington, D.C.'s support. He was a national hero. He was allowed to speak in Washington, D.C. His enemies were this fading, archaic, obsolete system, right? The system of white racial prejudice, of white supremacy, and say specifically Alabama. The civil rights movement in the 1950s focused specifically on Alabama, which was the last of the 50 states in the Union to still hold such backward segregation policies. So he was supported by the majority of the nation and still seen as a martyr for fighting a system that was not welcome. Most people did not welcome the system. You know, when they showed on national news, JFK said that um, the Alabama police did more for civil rights in one day 
when they were spraying people with water hoses than the civil rights movement did in 10 years. You know, like the idea is that they want these people to be enemies. Now, the idea is that they know their system can create enemies by simply saying you're the enemy, right? They want people to constantly rally around controversial opinions to kind of start manifesting their own uh, persecution and discrimination and reprisal. So the conspiracy theorist world is getting geared up for another four years, uh, eventually another 10 years in hindsight, 20 years, wherever you say it, it's always starting point. They're always, the starting point's always today. The future's always in five years, right? Future's always in 10 years, no matter what time you're saying that, right? So they're getting you to start <laughs> trapping yourself into systems of thought so that you can't break away from them, the same way the 9-11 people did it. When you start saying you devote your entire life to proving 9-11 was an inside job, and the future just moves away from you, America just moves away from you, the goalpost just moves away from you, no matter what evidence you provide or however hard you work at it or whatever thing you do to try to write, you write a book, you make a documentary, you make a movie, you start, make, you live your life in one way. And as they, the society starts kind of turning away from you, you're stuck. You're rooted into those things. And that's what they want. They want to get you to root yourself into certain types of belief that they can just move away from. The same thing with the, uh, the presidential administrations throughout the years. They want you to fixate on certain positions, certain people. And as society slowly just moves away from them over time, you know, gradually as, as the system moves... That system is made stronger while everyone else is made weaker, individually made weaker, because they become obsolete. It's planned obsolescence. The conspiracy theories themselves are never proven nor disproven. They're always just theories, because you can't prove or disprove a theory. I know that's contrary to people's belief of scientism, it's not an absolute fact, but things like the theory of gravity or the theory of relativity are not laws. They're not real facts. They're theories. They're good ideas, but with insufficient data points. And basically the insufficiency of being able to replicate or produce certain phenomena. You can never do 9-11 again, thus you can never repeat and thus prove with observable science that this situation occurred exactly one way. Because it's phenomenology that they're getting you to play on. The idea behind all this, what I'm trying to kind of say, is that when you get a conspiracy theory like uh, I Pet Goat, when you get a conspiracy theory like Bad History is Joe Biden video, um, when you get an uh, idea of like a doomsday prophecy, you know, like or the, or the Super Bowl halftime show every year, they provide the ritualistic occult symbolism. They have the agenda in mind. Right? This is the, the metaphysical part of it. This is the intangible part of it. Right? The, the background part of it. The homework part of it. They then physically act it out in a symbolic way. Right? I'm not saying the weekend is 100% on this. I'm not saying his dancers were. I'm not saying his choreographers were. Somehow they create the situation and the circumstances that you're seeing this act out. You as an individual are being fed data. Now your only choice it's to not let them define how you think, right? It's either to ignore it completely or to understand that it does not have the absolute power over this world, say, for example, as God and God's word and commandment does, or uh, natural laws, natural sciences do, 
are the laws of men, the nature of men. You know, think higher philosophical concepts. Think higher intellectual pursuits. Like I said, not trivial, small matters. For example, when people are, are alarmed at Madonna or people are alarmed at The Weeknd or people are alarmed at Lady Gaga, they try to create these very elaborate backstories as to their occult uh, history. It's ultimately not the point. The point is that occult message is constantly getting to you. It's constantly being seen by you. Katy Perry and Lady Gaga are not on the phone or they don't have the same manager telling them to do certain things. It's the idea that the power is to be the matrix system itself. The, the, the nation that they are in, the culture they are in, the genre they are in of pop music itself is run by certain symbols because the conversation is, if it's not this, then it's not this. If it's not occult symbols, Illuminati symbols, Luciferian symbols, then it's not a music video. Then it's not mainstream music. Then it's not pop music itself. Right? Same thing with everything. If it's not XYZ, then it's not the latest XYZ branding. It's just not it. It's a counterfeit. They'll say that's a counterfeit. They'll say that's an artificial thing. They'll say that's a knockoff. That's a ripoff. That's amateurish. That's fake. Um, a big kind of uh, concern of mine is conspiracy theories becoming less varied, less diverse, and less independent over time because the overall social network of how things work, like I said, is inaccessible to someone from the outside who doesn't have five or six years of experience just researching, just seeing how the community evolves or communicates with each other, seeing the difference of importance of people. Um, you know, like an a, a outsider who wants to learn about reptilians, who's never heard about reptilians before in his life, will seek out, say, for example, David Icke. Not knowing that in the conspiracy world, for example, David Icke is considered a reptilian himself, considered a sellout mainstream propaganda puppet himself, or seen in the Illuminati or Luciferian world. And then when they go into the people who are calling him Luciferians and trying to decipher who to trust from then, then they got to realize some of these people are known as uh, crackpots or uh, overly antagonistic, you know, or mistaken or erroneous in their own ways and you know then they have to learn about the industry itself so that's what i'm saying like you have to make it more accessible and the one way reason why it becomes so monolithic so cyclopean is because it's always the same debate over and over and over again to the point that we're on like the ninth degree the nth uh progression set of these debates like the 9-11 debate um I'm not saying that I don't like the 9-11 debate. I love the 9-11 debate. I think that's a real important debate to always have, right? Never forget. But the point is, now we're on holographic planes and whether or not it was a product of a, or the result of an alien attack or maybe some kind of Hutchison effect, a uh, fucking death laser or a uh, maser or something, and you're like, this is very much different than I think maybe the Saudi Arabians did it, or I think maybe it was Israel, or I think maybe it was an inside job done by the, you know, CIA or FBI or whatever. Um, maybe it was done for an insurance scam. Like, you know, like, do you see how the debate grows and grows and grows? And so that if you're coming in from the outside, the first thing you see is, oh, these people think it was hit by a death ray 
what the hell is the Hutchinson effect? You know, holographic planes, that's literally incomprehensible to the everyday person. Because the everyday person has been told either right or left, either option A or option B, or either uh, point A or point B, you know, with your life. Like, they've been told the binary, the reality. They've been told the us versus them thought. There's the mainstream thought, and there's literally everything else, which is unacceptable, right? So you're manifesting either the mainstream reality of your life, like you're a manif- you are creating the everyday reality in which you have to live in, right? Which exactly is not gonna it's it's gonna be what they give you because you're not finding the information of anything yourself. You're just processing the data they're giving you, or you're going to go with the everything else angle, and you're going to be lost, made kind of absurd by these counterculture uh, necessities. It's the same way that. Uh, the debate of what's appropriate in society forces you to either censor yourself to be self-censoring so that you can participate in the debate still, or to go completely off the rails into the level of obscenity where you risk being banned or punished, criminally punished for your art or your, you know, passions or whatever, uh, much the same way that Galileo you know, he he fought the Catholic Church. It was the what's what are you manifesting? What are you your long intention? He's you could say that he was actually a Vatican agent. I believe that, but the theory, the story of Galileo and the Enlightenment, was that this man was so concerned with the truth that he martyred himself and sacrificed himself against the dominant power at the time because their debate was one thing, right? The XYZ thing. And he presented the ABC thing. It didn't jive. And basically he was robbed and stripped of his position in society. Simply because of thoughts. Simply because of intentions. Because he was opening up the debate to many, many different sides. He was opening the debate to the many alternatives. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because Whereas in Galileo's day, they may have just told him to just straight up shut up. You know, they were thinking in terms of prophecy. They were thinking in terms of the future. They were thinking in terms of their religious destiny, right? Their spiritual destiny. The same thing with the people behind I Pet Goat. The same people behind the Bad History Joe Biden video. Uh, you know, metaphysically speaking, the same people behind the Super Bowl show. Um, they're thinking about their prophecies. They're thinking about their religions, their metaphysical framework of society. They're thinking about their faith, right? This is all a battle of faith. The energy of their people, of their parish, of their flock, gives their institution legitimacy and authority, right? Now, if they are telling you one version of doomsday, this is where people need to realize this is all doomsday cult speaking. You know, I pet goat the Joe Biden history video, bad history video, the Super Bowl halftime video. This is all doomsday type occultic ritual, right? Is that natural? Is that a real perspective, a real event in life and in history as has ever been seen or ever been played before, ever been known? And if it is to your understanding... How much of your education is accurate? Like, if, if it is, like, if it checks out with your education, maybe you should question your education. 
because those are so far from the truth. Those are so far from reality. Those are so far from the ancient texts, from the philosophical wisdoms of ancient man, from the ancient learned scholars. They're invented fictions. They're fantasies. And I am a Christian. I am a Hebrew. I am a Buddhist. I am many things. The idea is, though, that the world is going to end very shortly and very chaotically and very violently beyond what is God's will in, in the actual sense of natural progression and natural evolution of the planet itself and without the sense of hope, with the hopelessness they want to give you, the hopelessness agenda, the idea of fear-mongering and fear-porn and catastrophe and division and hopelessness and, like, your vulnerability... That has been since the book of Revelation and the way they worded it, the way they presented it. The matrix, the state, the empire, the powers that be, the shadow forces, the supreme darkness, whatever, the, the you know, the, the, the swamp, whatever, whatever terminology you want to call it, that dark side Sith energy has been trying to get you to feel hopeless and afraid and fear and to manifest these realities as if though they were certainties against all reality, all present uh, fact, and all the words of God itself. The Shekinah glory of God itself. Jehovah Rathai, you know, Jehovah Rathai, Jehovah uh, Kizedek, you know, all the Jehovahs. Different words that Jehovah gave himself. Ninety-nine names, right? If you're if you're an Islamic uh, follower of a, the faith of Abraham, the ninety-nine names of God or Allah, right? Um, and I think that a lot of people forget that that the brotherhood, the community of everlasting paradise, life, and heaven, does not have this doomsday cult angle to it. We have a destruction and purging of evil, but it's not the destruction. And want on in death of all things good. It's not the destruction of systems that should be mourned for or the fear of what's to come. It's an embracing of the acts of justice against the world which seemed a, impossible for any one man to change. So that the heavenly powers, the astral powers, should start aligning with the true intentions of not only God and heaven, but the people, his people. The chosen on earth. The saved on earth. I remember when the coronavirus outbreak happened, I used to watch this channel called Stranger Than Fiction News with Ron Johnson. And I guess because of all my uh, northeast, west, south news shows, I kind of recommend one other YouTuber and try to keep the community spirit alive. But this individual, Ron Johnson from the South uh, Stranger Than Fiction News Network, the STFN News Network, um, I've watched since 2016. And... Uh, you know, he was the type of conspiracy Christian that I really admired, the kind of person back then that I thought was really cool. Like, he would speak his mind and reference the Old Testament verse and, uh, you know, really promote Jesus Christ's message and the evils of this world, the materialism of this world. And he was fear-mongering and using the pandemic as a fear-porn system, saying that millions of people in America are going to die. It's going to be like the stand. Uh, they're going to block the roads and close down the world. And, you know, oh, my God, it's never going to it's never going to recover and that this world is doomed and lost and everything. 
the yoke of responsibility of being a Christian is to keep hope, is to keep people's eyes looking up towards Christ, to the sun, to the light, you know, in the, the end of the tunnel, not the darkness around the light, not the evils of the world. The same thing with a uh, call for an uprising, same thing for all these uh, YouTube Christians like Richie from, Richie from Boston, uh, really graceful, et cetera, et cetera. These people, um, the same thing I had a complaint with Jeff C., They'll constantly point out the mainstream New World Order conspiracies. They'll constantly point out the, the direction of the where the world's going to. Like, oh, did you see the Joe Biden video? Did you see this? Did you see the Super Bowl halftime show? Wicked, evil occultists are turning this nation to devil worship, yo. Ignore it. They don't have the power to ignore it. They don't have the power to provide alternatives. They don't have the power to fight it with their own testimonies and with their own um, religious doctrinal knowledge. And it, it shows that they are not approved. It shows that they are more the product of the system and more propaganda tools for the system to discourage new Christians, to discourage newly spiritual people, to discourage people who see the truth, who see the beauty and love in the world in themselves and in God and in the love of God. They want to kill that hope. They want to kill that mora uh, morality. They want to kill that ethics because all ethics is based in right and wrong from the heart and from the justice you see emanating from yourself in the world. If they keep you terrorized that these powers to be, these occultists, these Luciferians really run the world, then no matter where you're coming from or what faith you're coming from, you're giving them the power, you're giving them the intention, them the authority. Same thing with the Epstein scandal. Great, so now that we're aware that all the elite are pedophile child eaters or whatever, cannibal, baby eaters, baby cannibals, baby rapists, um... That demoralizes the, the people, that demoralizes, that kills hope, that makes them feel as if though everything they've ever done was a cruel and unjust joke. And they want to convince you that that's reality because they don't want you to believe that good people have the, a chance to rule the world. They don't want you to believe that good exists in this world. They want you to fear and hate everything and everyone you see. They want that paranoia because they want to manifest this reality into ours, this hell reality from the mental side, from the paranoia side, from the evil, intangible shadow side into a reality. Because if you live in darkness, all you see is shadow. Thus, shadow can actually survive there. But once you turn on the light, the shadow flees from the light because you see reality isn't all shadow. Reality is color. Reality is physical form. The shadow is where the light is blocked by reality, right? Reality... If you, exactly, if you take away reality, all you're left with is this void, is this hopelessness. That's what they want, is to remove you from reality and to put you in the world of the void. Now, the idea of this shadow world is what Jesus Christ said, with the light from within versus the light without. And if your light is darkness, then how dark is your darkness? You know, you have to keep your eyes focused on a perfect light, on a perfect vision of the world, and not let the trivial everyday passing matters, the evils of reality, the evils of the day, the little seasons distract you from the greater spiritual picture of eternity, of real eternity. And this is what people don't think, is that you have to really internalize this longevity, this system of permanence and of deep time and timelessness that goes away from the culture, the fads, the celebrity, the popularity contest, the beauty contest, and focus on what really matters the same way that in the 1920s, philosophers, writers, poets, musicians, 
they they lived in a world same way as us. They lived in America, same same America as us, same fucking flag, same culture, same state, same city, same locality, same people, same groups of people, same dynamics, same politics, same everything. They lived in society, but they still, not all of them, but a very select few were able to grasp what really mattered and to work their entire lives at trying to express this so that uh, when I was going to school in the 90s and 2000s, I read these people's works and they felt as if they were written eons ago, ancient, ancient wisdom inside these books. And now I realize that culturally, relatively, they lived within a blink of an eye. They lived within a blink of an eye of my life now. Some of them are still alive. Some of them, is that, that's the thing, some of these writers that lived back then are still alive now. Are their children are alive? Are their works are still being read and published? Like H.P. Lovecraft seems as if though he wrote hundreds of years ago. His work is still written about like the Lovecraftian cantos, the mythos is still being worked on. It's still a living thing. And that's the thing, it's not an irrelevant or an archaic, obsolete discussion if it's built on permanent, real-world matters, like really important things. And so as conspiracy theories, as theorists, as independent thinkers, as content creators, we need to look away from the trivial matters, from the everyday matters, from the headlines. We need to rip ourselves away from the headlines and realize that nothing detail-oriented, specifically on the people at power or in the systems of authorities of power, are organic and free thoughts. Those are thoughts the system uses as propaganda works. No one's immune from propaganda. As their propaganda works, all you can think about is what they want you to think about. All you can do is what they want you to do. Because you're buying into what they're telling you. And you got to start thinking as conspiracy theorists, as independent thinkers, is what the whole point of our community is about, is what do they not want us to know? What's the stuff they don't want us to know? What aren't we talking about that we should be talking about now? Everyone's getting us to focus again internally on the domestic political, cultural sphere of America. Once again, every year starts like this. As we give them our collective energy, right? And free thinkers were the guiltiest of this because we want to be the one who speaks the loudest against it, right? We want to be the champion here because they've told us this is how it has to be done. They told us this is how we are profit from it. This is how we are rewarded from it. We get the YouTube comments. We get the YouTube profit dollars, the great AdSense dollars. We get our social network image branded up as long as we talk about what they want us to talk about. Well, let's not talk about what they want us to talk about anymore. Let's talk about the stuff they don't want us to talk about anymore. Ever. And I think I'm going to go through this next four years of this political administration and the next four years of all the cultural significant things, your award shows, your fashion shows, etc., etc., your big Hollywood releases... I know it's predictive programming. I know it's disclosure. I know it's a cult. I know it's Luciferian. I'm not giving it a single second of my energy. I'm going to focus on the preservation of the ancient knowledge of the gnosis that mankind has struggled to achieve away and against from the Matrix, as it's always done. Who cares who the king is? Who cares who the emperor is? Who cares what the system of government is? What's the system inside your heart? What's the system inside your soul? 
You know? As I like, it, it, you have to be as wise as a dove, as gentle as a dove is as wise as a serpent. I know about deep time, eon, natural laws. And also know that I could just not involve myself in every sing, single meaningless battle and thus giving meaning to their imaginary bullshit war. Imagine if they threw a war and no one came, right? Thus, I'm really working on pacifism. I'm really working on world peace by not fighting everyone who wants to fight around me, by not fighting over the dumbest things, fighting over causes that aren't my own, and fighting for people who don't even know who I am. Right? It's time for me to start fighting for myself. It's start, time for me to start thinking for myself. And I don't see any value in having a conversation that millions of people are having right now and thousands of people are making videos about uh, currently. You know, I'm not buying into the headlines. I'm not using clickbait. I'm not, you know, uh, baying with the rest of the sheep who think they're wolves. You know, think they're howling at the moon. They're really baying in the flock, right? Baying in the pasture. I hope you guys join me. So, this has been Rumors of Instinct. Hope you guys uh, watch uh, my YouTube channel for my older videos. I hope you guys check out the library in Odyssey. I hope you guys follow me on Instagram, at Rumors of Instinct. I hope you guys support me on Patreon or PayPal, patreon.com slash Rumors of War 1987. Uh, rumors of Instinct is a new name. The Rumors of War title was the first name for the channel. When I first created these accounts, they're tied into Bitcoin and crypto wallets. So if you want to contribute with crypto, I take Dogecoin, going full Dogecoin. Or, you know, I'm not going to say no to Bitcoin either, right? So give me whatever crypto you guys want to trade in. Uh, I take all donations in crypto. I'm totally on the crypto train. And um, or a single dollar bill will help support independent media and uh, help preserve this knowledge, this media, and provide for future products and productions such as documentaries, uh, you know, higher production value, studio equipment, things like that. Definitely I'm putting it, all the proceeds into the project into the channel 100%. So feel free to donate a dollar, Patreon or PayPal, both slash Rumors of War 1987. Thank you all very much. Check out that Instagram. Definitely follow me on that at Rumors of, Insta uh, rumors of Instinct, all one word. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for listening. Stay tuned for future episodes. Update regularly. God bless you and your families. Everyone out there in dreamland. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend.
Thank you.